Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of in-the-trenches, tell-it-like-it-is reality therapy for personal, business, and real estate investing success. With your hosts, powerpreneurs, Angela Thomas and Ron Phillips, it's time to get real. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Get Real Podcast. I'm Angela Thomas and I'm here with Ron Phillips. Yep, here we are. Hey, we are going to continue uh, the topic we we uh, we spoke on last time in our last episode. So if you haven't checked it out, go Both. listen to, go listen to Ron preach. <laughs> what did I say? Spoke may be the wrong word. Oh, what yeah. We did last time. Well, you spoke. I spoke in a normal, calm voice, but I Ron got a little agitated. A little animated. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, is kind of fun to listen to. So Maybe I should put on my PBS voice today and we if can you, do some if you talk like that. radio broadcasting. <laughs> We're going to have to start playing Christmas music if you talk like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or at least classical. Reminds me of an SNL skit. I won't get into that, but it's a really good one. Okay. okay. All right. Comment if you want the SNL skit. We'll send it out. So last time we spoke about uh, the problem of financial, the lack of financial literacy in our country. We we didn't give any solutions, Angela. We didn't give any solutions. We basically ranted about how horrible it is. Yeah. But I think we articulated the problem pretty well. Yeah. So today we're going to continue that topic and hopefully give you guys some good tips for you know how to teach your how to start the topic with your children um and also you know tips you can use for yourself if you need to so focus on the kids but this yeah. all applies to everybody this is everybody so, okay you know because if you don't know how to do it you can see you're not gonna be able to teach your kids anything so. yeah <laughs> first off i i did find a couple more we really enjoyed sharing a lot of stats on the last one we know that financial literacy is a problem, but it's crazy when you actually hear how big of a problem it is. There was one stat, the Federal Reserve says that 40% of Americans don't just, even... Just, just stop. Just let the numbers sink in. So 40%. 40%. Almost half of Americans don't even have the cash to pay an unexpected bill of $400. Folks, that that is like that is over a hundred million people, right? Is my math right? Yeah. A third yeah, is a hundred. Yeah, because we have like three hundred fifty million people or something like yeah. that. A third is a hundred. <laughs> Feel free to correct us if we're wrong. We're just. I mean, falling. come on, that's a lot of people. That's uh-huh. a lot of people. That really, really blows my mind because you know four hundred dollars. I mean, what happens when you? you know, have an $8,000 emergency. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have enough to cover for it, that, wow. So, and then, you know, we talked about in the last episode, Americans are completely unprepared for retirement. And, you know, it's because our children, children are not getting the education they need. So they're thrown out into the adult world and they just do whatever, you know, whatever's easiest or they, they get those credit cards and start spending them when they need, you know, yeah, you know, if you, pay, if, if, you pay, if you buy something on credit when you're young, like let's say before you move out of the house, that, that affects your ability to move out of the house. 
Big time. Because you can, if you start out with a hundred dollar payment, that's a hundred dollars less that you, you don't have to, to fund your apartment or your food or your utilities. You're starting out behind the power curve. If you start out with debt. Um, not to mention, I don't want to get you ranting again, Ron, but I actually I tried to keep that really quiet. I know. I was like, that was nice. No, oh. but, but this next thing might get you upset. I don't know if you know anyone personally that's done this, but I watched my two little sisters when they were getting on their own two feet and they started renting an apartment. They kept taking out those payday loans. You know oh, what those are? My gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. They're like 200%. And it goes up oh. from there. Uh, interest. And, and this is what I'm taught. This is what I was talking about last time. So we really should get into solutions. I know. Sorry. Oh, I just. I, guys, oh. you have. Listen. Listen. You cannot. Nothing is ever so bad. But that a payday loan won't make it worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is no financial problem bad enough. To walk into one of those people with the dancing monkeys out front, there is <laughs> never anything that bad. And they and they you put will their never car. get ahead of that. You can't get ahead of that. It's like an IRS debt. It's horrible. It's. I mean, people people get the little payment plan with the uh, IRS, and they think it actually you you can pay the minimum payments on the IRS plan. And you're going to get out of it? No, no, <laughs> because the IRS is just like the dancing monkey place. Except for they can put you in jail. That's the only difference. Yeah. Well, uh, my, you know, people I know had to put their car up for collateral. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not funny. Those places should all be shut down. They're horrible. So I just had to mention that. We can move on. Those make me sick. The, the whole point here is, you know, Americans are grossly undereducated, undereducated on money and money management financial literacy. And it's a problem. It, I, we also read in this article that parents are more comfortable. I think this is crazy. Talking about religions, politics, sex, drugs, than they are talking to their kids about money. And why is that? And I don't know, but I'm just going to say that, <laughs> <laughs> that they don't talk about that stuff either. So if that's easier... That's easier though. I didn't say if they talk about easier, it. Easier then it's really bad because that other stuff doesn't get talked about either. Yeah. So so if parents are really afraid of this subject, the only uh, thing I can think of is they don't understand it themselves. Well, that has to be it. Oh, that that in you know politics would probably f solve all of the above, right? Because the man is keeping you down. That's, that, that's the, the answer, right? Oh the, yeah. Or you think problem <laughs> and therefore there's no reason to talk about money because they've got it all and I can't get any that that's, that's probably how that happens. So you just talk about politics, you get all of it. <laughs> all right. There you have it. I kept that pretty calm. We should call that something, you know, the Ronism or something. Anyway. So nearly, I, I think you highlighted this, nearly nine in 10 parents of four to eight-year-old children feel it's extremely important that kids grow up with good financial habits. And they agree that they should be the one teaching their children these habits. So why is it not happening? I, it's what we just said. Yeah, I just don't think, just, they, I don't think they know. And the other thing is, it's kind of like this whole Facebook thing. So in business... I got, I'm, I'm friends with a ton of, of business owners, 
right? We all, everybody on Facebook puts out there everything that's going great. Nobody wants to talk about the baggage that they've got. It would be, it's, I think it's probably, uh, I think it's safe to say that most people don't want to talk about how bad things are financially with their kids. And since we've already been over the stats that nearly everybody can't write a check for $400 for something that goes wrong, man, there'd be a lot of really bad conversations, right? But that it's yeah. still important because if you got yourself into a mess and now you have a really hard time, you need to warn your children. If you've had a payday loan and you know how horrible they are, tell your kids how bad they are. If you got into credit card debt early on in your life, tell your kids about it. They will respect the fact that you screwed up. Nobody's perfect, but they need to know these things. I just got done having a conversation with my son the other day about how when I was in the military, I, I charged a whole bunch of stuff at the, at the PX when I was overseas. All really awesome stereo equipment, which was very important <laughs> in my life back then. That's I mean that's how you had I those parties. Know, I don't know how many speakers a guy needs in a one one man apartment, you know, one man barrack, but I had that many. Wow. Um, and I put them all on credit. And when I got out of the military, I was still paying for them. And I told yeah. him, like, don't do that, man. It was really stupid, really stupid. And for anyone out there that thinks that you know your kids have this, uh, you know, that they think you're perfect, they don't. So it's okay. They'd rather know how you messed up. And if your mistakes can help them, why wouldn't you share that? Even so. if you currently messed up, right? If you yeah. just screwed something up, especially if it if if it's affecting how you live your life, it's important. Just just say it. I think I talked about this when we talked about my partnership blow up. I had to sit down with my kids. I'm like, hey, look, things are going to change. Here's how things are going to change. This is necessary. But it was good for my kids to understand going through that because if something happens in their life, then they don't think they can still pay $200 a month for cable. Right. They don't exactly. think they can keep going out to eat. They don't think that they can keep charging their lifestyle on a credit card and hope things get better because that's not the way it works. So yep. when, you, when you share that experience with your kids, they learn from what's going on in your life. If you keep it all bottled up inside because you don't want to have a hard conversation with your kids, you're robbing them of the experience that they could be having learning from either a mistake or a misfortune in your life, right? Yep. That's great advice. Awesome. Yeah, I wish my parents had shared more of their mistakes with me earlier because I feel like they're just sharing them all now and I'm 33 and it would have helped me to know them like, when I, oh, before I did the same that thing. That happened to me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, and this is how I fixed it. Well, thanks. Thank I just did the same thing. But no, I'm just now, kidding. My parents I, I, are great. But. Shout out to my parents. They actually did tell me, don't charge crap. And then I went and did it anyway. Right? Oh, well, so, at least you knew not to. So. I knew that it was stupid and I did it anyway. So... I told my son, <laughs> we'll see if he's smarter than me or if he's, you know, as dumb as I was. So can only hope. Yeah. That's all you can do as long as they know. That's the mm -hmm. best you can do. So, all right. So we're going to go through some things here real quick that you can teach your kids or apply in your own life. And hopefully this will help somebody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So first one is to invest early and in the right things. And, and if I you're just, 55, that ship sailed. But, yeah. You know, better, better late than never. 
<laughs> if you're 50 or older and just starting, um, it's going to be a little rougher, which is why we said early and in the right things. I mean, there's still hope for you, but... But if you're 50, again, if you're 50 and you messed it up, tell your children yes. what we're getting ready to tell you so that they don't mess it up. And this is an interesting one because you're actually teaching them how to spend their money correctly. I mean, you're, you're spending it on something that's going to make you more money instead of a car or stereo equipment like Ron and I did. So... I think <laughs> we underestimate how excited young people can become about investments. I taught a class um, at, at church and the kids' eyes were, you know, they were pretty wide open. We started actually talking about the money that you can make if you just invest a small amount of money when you're young because compounded interest and people need to understand that. You're either paying it or you're making it. So you just as well make it. And I, I think this is really cool because I, I don't I think it's way more exciting if they're working towards mm-hmm. buying an asset or you know investing in something that's actually gonna make them money. It's a lot more exciting than just because I remember my parents teaching me like, you know, you take this much for yourself and you you pay you pay yourself first, which is the next item on here. But we just put it into a savings account. And there's nothing wrong with the savings account and you probably have to start out there. But if I'd known I was saving that to buy something that was going to make me a bunch of money, it would be a lot more exciting than just having it sit there. So, And I I also think here's another thing that I think is left out a lot. And that is that we, we we need to share first. You can call it whatever you want. I, I choose to call it tithing, right? But putting other people first is really, really, really important because it gets, especially young people, it gets them out of the natural state, which is a me first state. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, especially if you're not making a lot of money. And if you got no money, then you can provide service. You can provide time. time. Time is even better. Something you should do something as a tithe so that because it shows that you're grateful for what you have. Thanks for adding that, Ron. (laughs) It's really, really important. And then, yes, you should pay yourself first. You should pay yourself before all of the other people. So don't get yourself all jacked up with a whole bunch of bills so you can't pay yourself first. Yeah. Pay yourself first. And when you do that, make sure that you're investing that money in something that can create a return for you. Or at least if you're saving it, you know, have a plan for what you're going to invest it in. And I think this, the, so let's just back up just a step. It's also important that people know, especially kids know, that you don't just you don't go to your job and you and you save money and then you invest it all. That's almost not quite. It's good, but that's almost as bad as spending all of your money on other stuff because then you don't have your money, right? You have to have some money sitting there for emergencies. Oh yeah, so like four hundred dollars. An kidding. emergency fund, and yeah. it should be at least three months of your expenses, but six months would be better, and a year would even be best, right? So if you don't have three months of your expenses saved up, you got no. Um, what are you investing in? You sh- shouldn't be investing. You should be saving money so that you don't have to blow apart all of your investments to pay for the four hundred dollar thing that went wrong. Right. Or if something happens with your investments and you have to cover, you know, repair or whatever, 
you know, you have to have that extra money sitting there. So that's a great point, Ron. Also, I wanted to say on paying yourself first, you know, if, if paying yourself, you know, a portion, whatever it is of your, uh, of your check or your, the money you make, if that's too hard, like Ron said, he had to do when his partnership blew up, you have to figure out because that's so important. You can't just, you know, not pay yourself. You may have to make cuts in your life. Start buying less expensive stuff, eat out less, cut out the fancy car, whatever it is. People very quickly figure out after having purchased the fancy car that it's not as cool as you thought it was if you can't put gas in it. Literally, like the second you're sitting in it, it's not as cool as you thought it was, I swear. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's really, really important. It's more important and it's more fun to have some money and a beater than a really nice car that you can't drive because you can't afford the gas or the insurance. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, so... It sounds yeah. like you know from personal experience. But Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. I'm I might have been down that road. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Okay. So the next one is weighing your risk on investments. So we talked about investing early, pay yourself first. So, you know, let's say you have a little money to invest. How do you do that correctly? What do you look for? Yeah, I was asking you, Ron. Go for yeah, it. Well, it really depends. It really depends on the person. And it really depends on what their their risk tolerance is. It depends on their age. It depends on a lot of different things. But if you're just starting out, a let me just tell you what not to do. Don't put it in something that locks your money up to where you can't get it. I I really think that it should be in something liquid at least while you're saving for a larger asset. You know, don't buy an annuity. Everybody wants to sell you an annuity when you're 25 or 20 and they, they show you're going to be multimillionaire by the time you're whatever. But I'm telling you, the penalties for pulling your money out of those are so astronomical and the returns you get in them are so pathetic. Pathetic. I'm laughing just because uh, we... do that. I heard about someone uh, recently, we were trying to get their money out of an annuity because they wanted to invest in real estate and that was their biggest asset. And it's almost impossible, right? So much money. They put these massive penalties on there. So, so don't do that, right? Don't lock it away in something that doesn't give you hardly any return. You know, putting it at a bank and, getting, and, and, and putting it in a CD that's locked up for six months or a year so that you can get an extra 0.025% on your money <laughs> that you can't get in a savings or a account is silly. Just put it in the savings account if that's what you're going to do with it. But you could put it in a liquid account, put it in a money market account, put it in, you know, in some mutual funds, put it in something where it's liquid enough and safe enough that you're not losing money but you're making a little bit, right? And then it's there for you because you never know what's going to happen, you know? And then when you're ready, you can start buying bigger assets. Exactly. Yeah, and those are all safer assets that you mentioned. I know there's, there's quite a few other, you know, alternative investments out there. It's on, uh, that's a completely different. We, we could do a whole other episode on that if you like. I know. And I mean, the only thing I would say with that is, you know, it's kind of like, it, it is gambling. Don't invest more than you're willing to lose, you know, and don't try to make your money back if you lose it doing the same thing. 
That's it. Yeah. So when you're starting out in life and you don't have very much money and you certainly can't afford to lose any of it, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be investing in things like that. Yep. That's stupid. Thank you for putting it. This is the Get Real podcast, everyone. Ron, <laughs> don't be stupid. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. So number four, next one is to have a plan for your money. And I actually, I hate this one because I'm kind of, I don't know how to put it. Like not, not necessarily like ADD, but just, I don't like all the little details, like the big picture and sitting down and writing a budget and then, uh, sticking to it is, I hate it, but. Yeah, so I hate budgets as well, <laughs> but here's what I do like. I, I do like taking the, uh, the personal plan that we talked about, the life plan. Oh, there you go. I like taking all of the, like, what does it take? And then working towards that because it gives me a reason to pay myself first and to invest. It gives me a reason to do these things when that stuff is kind of down the road a little ways. And I could be having so much more fun blowing all of my money right now. Right. So So it's, it's important that you have a plan for your money and that you know where you're going because otherwise you're, you're going to spend all of your money. But my wife and I, man, we don't do well on a budget either. No. And I just want to... one, we just blow it up anyway. So So I'm going to, I'm going to relate this to a calorie counting and that may... Which is horrible advice, by the way. Gosh, you should have a budget. Oh, you should. I know. So I just want to give an example real quick though. I just wanted everybody to know that I was not suggesting you not have a budget. It's a bad idea. You should have a budget. Have a budget. Even though Ron hates them and really doesn't use them. But you, you may agree with this point. I hate calorie counting and I'm sorry to go into something as, you know, stupid yep. as weight loss, but, but I loathe calorie counting. It actually makes me angry and, uh, I can't stand like seeing exactly how many calories there were. I hate having to put it in after each meal. It's a huge pain in the butt planning it out. And it makes me somehow like, I don't know. I like hungrier that, that I have this budget anyway. So I hate calorie counting, but every time I go down a path of eating whatever I want and gain some weight, (laughs) I have to get back onto eating right with calorie counting because it's weird. You start to, uh, you kind of lie to yourself. I feel like maybe this is just me, but I lie to myself about how much I'm eating. And I'm like, ah, it's not that much, you know? And then I put it into the little calorie counter and I'm like, well, holy freaking shit. No wonder I gained so much weight, you know? That was a lot. So I think a budget can be helpful kind of in the same way. Like once I get a a handle on it and realize what I've been eating and how many calories are going in, um, it's a lot easier once you've done that for a few days to start realizing, you know, what you should be eating. So I think it's kind of the same thing with money, if you write out a budget, you realize where all your money's going and you track it for a little while, it'll kind of like readjust you and get you on the right path. Now, so I'm, I don't even think you have to do it long-term and that might be terrible advice as well, but I think it's really, it really terrible good. advice, everybody. <laughs> uh, Angela and I are giving you horrible advice right now. Okay. You should definitely use a budget. All the time. Uh, Angela, and I, Angela and I don't, that doesn't mean you should. That's my disclaimer. Okay. Okay. But I actually said to do it for a little while. Definitely. Make sure you know what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, all right. So it was not horrible advice. As we say, not as we do on this particular one. Yes. Okay. 
But that one is really important because a lot of people don't realize, just like with the calories, they don't realize how much money is actually going out. Yeah, I mean, do it for a month. Going. Yeah. And I and for this one, if you if you really don't understand where your money's going, Dave Ramsey actually has a really good plan on this. Take all of your money that you got for the month and put it into cash. Because I guarantee you, if you have a wad of cash and that's all you've got, something mentally switches when you have to give people dollar bills. I don't know what it is, but you can clearly see you're running out of them. (laughs) And if you're using a credit card, you cannot clearly see that you are spending more of them. No, and you can't turn your uh, limit into cash. You are constantly upside down every month and you're not on your plan, it's super easy. Just take your check, cash the whole freaking thing, and t- except for what you've got to pay your online bills with. Please don't do that, right? But pay all your online bills and then take the extra money and put it in cash. And that's all you get. And really quickly, you're going to go, oh, I probably need a budget. Mm-hmm. It's the third week and I'm out of dollar bills now. <laughs> Right. And no pulling out the credit card on the third. Yeah. So really it's it is really, really important to understand where your money is going. Um, and so the idea is, in my mind always, make more money so that then I don't have to care. Yeah, that's the goal, right? But if you're not to the place where you've made enough money that you can not care a little bit, then you should definitely be using a budget and know where your money is going because the only way to get to the point where you have enough money that you can care a little bit less is by treating your money very, very well. Using a budget and doing the things that we've already talked about. Having a plan, working your plan, all that good stuff. Yep. Okay. Okay, on to our favorite one. So just to recap, the last four were invest early and in the right things, pay yourself first, Weigh the risk of any investments. Have a money plan at and all Before time. we get into the last one, oh, on, on every single one of these, you got to sit down and you got to go through this with your kids so that they understand what each one of these things are. Okay? Help them create a plan. This is one of the coolest things I did with my daughter before she moved out is actually try to make a budget. So she understood, I'm moving into an apartment. I know that my my payment's going to be whatever, $650, $700 a month, $1,000 a month, whatever it is. But what else is there? Do they, do they know? Do they know that they have to pay electric and gas? And I mean, do they know that stuff? Do they know how much food is going to cost? Do they know where they're going to get their food? Because if they're eating out every meal, it's going to cost a fortune. Can yeah, even cook? things like I remember with your uh, daughter, like whose name are the bills in? Um, yes. Oh like my gosh! A, if my credit a, got screwed up because the, I let the bills be in a roommate's name. Thank you. So <clears throat> there's really this is really important stuff when you start. You, we take it for granted as adults because we've been doing this for so many years that our kids, when they move out, are going to understand all of the different things that come up, right? If I get a dog, what does that mean? Uh, They just love you. They're easy. What does that mean? I mean, they're cute and lovable and huggable, but uh, (laughs) how much money when they get sick do you have to spend taking them to the vet, right? You, all of these things, they need to think through all of this stuff. And you, it is our responsibility as parents to help them understand that stuff before they move out. 
And so that they understand how to do all of that stuff, plus pay themselves first, plus save, plus tithe, plus do all of that other stuff, right? Yep. And it's a, that's a big, big deal. If you've never done it before, it's really, really, it's hard to grasp all of that stuff. So really, really important. Before the salesperson comes to their door and talks to them and sells them an annuity, it's important that you have the, uh, the conversation with them. Don't buy the annuity. When the sales guy comes, he's going to do a really cool sales pitch and lock your money away forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And you're never going to get it. <laughs> right? It's important. Yep. <clears throat> so anything that you think is important, you need to sit down and talk to them and it would, it's best before they leave the house. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Sorry. No, I think that's great. That's great. Number five is uh, our favorite, of course. Integrate your values with your money. And Ron touched on this briefly, the tithe. But how do you make your money? How do you integrate your values and with your money? It's it's teaching your kids about money, and it's you know putting mission with the money. So kind of like what Ron talked about with tithe. I mean, help me out here, Ron. I'm like, well, you know, anything this... that's important, you know, anything that's an important value to you. Um, <clears throat> I had a conversation not very many days ago with my daughter about taxes. And this is a big deal right now because it's a political season and everybody's talking about taxes and how the rich don't pay their fair share and how, you know, you name it. We're talking about taxes, right? And, you know, well, I'm doing my taxes and I'm explaining to my daughter. It was funny because this is the first year she's actually had to pay taxes. Like I actually had to do her taxes oh, and an all that good stuff, right? Awakening, yeah. And um, because the other years she made underneath the, the amount and she didn't have to, I mean, it was really... Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so this year she's actually trying to understand it. And I'm explaining to her my business and how the different businesses operate. And then I, I, I could tell that she was learning. And I said, and I, so I started to talk to her about the difference between C corporations and S corporations and LLCs and how these things are taxed. And I started to educate her a little bit about small business because there's so much disinformation out there about small businesses and about the rich, the quote rich, which According to the to the government, is anybody over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is nearly That's every crazy. single small business in America. Yeah, right. And and I try. I helped her understand all of that stuff, and I helped her understand. Look, the politicians who are saying all of these evil things about the taxes are the ones who wrote the code. They're the ones who wrote the laws, giving people the ability to take write offs on their taxes. Bitching about it after the fact is a little disingenuous, right? If you've yep. been in Congress for 30 or 40 years, you no longer get to bitch about anything wrong with America. You are the problem. So I went over taxes with her and I said, look, the rich people pay less taxes because their income comes from here. It comes from portfolio income. It comes from passive income. It doesn't come from earned income. So you need to... Figure out how to get yourself from earned income over here to where the taxes are smaller. The faster you can draw a line from over here to over here, the less taxes you're going to pay. And we did a segment before 
about the effect of taxes on your wealth. Yes, we did. And it affects everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. It's an important conversation to have with your kid. If you don't understand that yourself, you need to get educated about it because it is robbing you of your ability. It's theft. The government, and the, the other thing, the other the misconception about money out there is that the government starts out somehow with money. They don't. They have jack squat unless yeah. they take it from someone else. Yep. So your values, whatever your value is, I can tell you probably already know what my value is on, on taxes, right? I pay yep. my share and I don't pay a freaking cent more than that. And I was explaining that to my daughter and I was explaining that in a way that she could explain it to her friends who have no freaking clue about how businesses operate. The whole picture, give them the whole picture. When you tell your kids that they need to tithe, tell them why that you believe that they need to tithe. Yeah. And then don't just tell them, they need to see you doing it. Right. And I helped her. I showed her my taxes. I showed her this is how it works. And very clearly on there is my charitable donations. She could see how much money is given away. Right. So show them by your actions. Help them understand the reason why you're doing things with your money. It's not all about amassing money, it's about what you do with the money that you amass. Yeah. You can do really, really good, powerful things in the world with or without money. It's just easier to get it done when you have money. Yeah. So, and it's values. important. It's really important, important for Ashley and for everyone's kids to understand, um, you know, her privilege to be raised in a household with money and to understand the sacrifices that go into that. We had that conversation too. And, and yeah. that's part of that business one, Angela, that most people don't get. And she does because she remembers me not being home. Right, right. And I brought that back up. I said, now you, you see me home a lot nowadays, right? Which is a good thing. But most people only see that piece. They see someone who's successful, who has money, and they say, well, he's got money. Right. He's got money. He's got money. But they discount because they didn't see the years of toil and, and torment and failure leading up to that success. Yeah. So, you know, it's important when you, when whatever it is that you value about your money, needs to be taught along with all of the important functional yes. pieces, I guess, to the money. And last piece here, I just want to say, you know, my parents did this pretty well with helping me appreciate, you know, the value of money because I was never, I never had an allowance. I don't, I don't even know what that is. I can't believe people get an allowance. You know, and, I know just for living, just for being there, right? Hey, pretty soon I hear Angela, not to interrupt your story, but I just yeah. did. Yeah, you did. Pretty soon we could all have an allowance. Oh, yeah. I heard the other day. Oh, no. Some Who's idiot. that? No, no, no. My, uh, and I'm sorry to call out my brother on here, but he loves that guy. I forget the guy's name. Oh, my gosh. What a moronic idea. Yeah. Let's anyway. give everybody a thousand bucks just for breathing. Yeah, just for being alive. Unbelievable. Let's Anyways, give everyone sorry, an allowance. Sorry. So, so you never, didn't have an allowance. I did not. Great thing. Yeah. Because 
my mom didn't give me an allowance, but when I was too young to have a job, she, uh, you know, she said, you know, you can go around, you can offer your babysitting services, you can go mow lawns, or you can uh, dig trenches for me, you know, weed the garden, you know, she'd give us chores and pay us a very small, reasonable amount for each of them. Mm -hmm. I know it wasn't like, you know, $100 for weeding the garden. I think I got like five bucks or something, but hours and it took hours. So I had to work really hard for those dollars, man. (laughs) And I appreciated them. And then when I went out and got a paper route at 11, and I actually got two paper routes, which I know you can't do anymore, but there's got to be some other way to make money as a kid. You just have to be, be, uh, you have to think outside the box, you know? Yeah. There, there are ways. There's a lady that's going to pay you for weeding her yard, you know? We used to, and and my neighbor, Mrs. Caldwell, she would have us go do it. With she would give us a little knife because she wanted the root of the dandelion. Oh out. wow! She to just pull the top off. So we <laughs> go out there and stick the knife in the ground. She showed us how to do it. Cute little old lady. And then her whole yard was covered with dandelions. So we were out there. My brother John and I were out there forever. But I think she I would give us like a nickel a piece or something. And I don't think she realized how many of these freaking plants we were out oh there. Oh my gosh, Ron, I have the same story, but with pine cones and my grandpa. And he, yeah. so I, I came I back with buckets and he's like, it's no. not as if those things don't exist anymore. It's just no. that we're not as tuned into them because we're used to being given everything, which yeah. is why I think it makes a whole lot of sense to a lot of people that we would get a thousand dollars for breathing. Yeah. No, if you grow up with your parents just handing you money, I don't know how you'd be able to think any differently, you know? That's, uh, you know, you'd be I like, I say, right. why stop at a thousand? I say, you know, <laughs> let's give everybody a million because we can yeah. just print the money. Obviously, the government has a ton of it and we can just, oh, this is not going to go well. And that wouldn't that affect would a pre. Uh, uh, you know? <clears throat> I, I will know. be done with them. Otherwise, I'll be ranting yeah. again. This, there this... goes our inflation, man. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's the last one is to, I mean, teach the value of money and to, you know, integrate your values with it so that kids appreciate it. That's, I mean, that one's huge. So that's it. Those are the five, five tips we have for you. I'm sure there's a ton more. There are a ton more. Get out there and study. (laughs) They're just five basic ones. Get out there and study guys. There's so many books on this. You can, you can go out there and study and learn a ton Man, if you're pissed about paying free. taxes, go get a book about taxes. Figure this stuff out. Okay. Well, thanks, Ron. And thanks, everybody, for listening. If you guys have any uh, comments or suggestions or topics you want to hear about, please visit us at getrealestatesuccess.com and let us know. And you also can uh, check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Get Real Podcast. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.